This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. You are listening to the iFanboy Pickle League Podcast, episode 338, brought to you by Graphically and iFanboy members like you. Podcast episode 338. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. What's up? We like comics and we are at handboy.com. We read comics every week. We read a bunch of comics. One of us decides on the best one. They write about it for the website. We talk about it in this podcast along with other books of the week, emails and voicemails, topics of interest, all kinds of fun stuff. And it's a fun show. It's a fun, happy time. It's supposed to be entertainment. Hypothetically, right? Hypothetically. Uh, uh, yeah, well, let's take it. Let's take it really seriously. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> oh, seriously, we can do the serious version. Do the serious, yeah. <laughs> Before we get to the show, I, you know, a I've, quick I've, reminder and a warning. I've been meaning to talk to you guys about flippancy. <laughs> this is a review <laughs> show. We're, we're talking about the things that happen in the book. So if you're worried about spoilers, forget you. That was my so- censored version. Go so screw. Week, go screw. Josh, you had to pick. You need yeah. to go screw. 
Yeah, I could have. I we had a little conversation ahead of time. Uh, Connor was it was like it's Max Fury, isn't it? This was on Monday, and I was like, <laughs> well, I, I haven't read any of the books yet, but yes, yes, it's <laughs> it's it's almost uh, assuredly going to be Max Fury. Um, this, Fury Max. Uh, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a it was a big week. There was a lot of some, Max Fury sounds like a person. It is. It actually is Fury Max. But I apparently apparently I have dyslexia. So that just <laughs> that's the thing I just found out. It is getting serious. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> guys, uh, I gotta talk to you and everyone else right now <laughs> in the middle of this review. Um, no, 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 no. Uh, big week. Lots of comics. Um, some pretty good comics, but some, this some, some very high pro- some high profile comics. Yes, that where we may talk about those. Yeah. I have to check the script to see if any of those are going to come up. <laughs> uh, Fury Max number three is the third part of a the opening sort of three part story of this series, which I believe is ongoing now. Maybe I th- not. I thought it was a nebulous, a nebulous length. Yeah, they haven't really said. There's it's no as three, but it's it's still being solicited, yeah. so we don't know when it actually is. Ending. There's no of five or yeah. of eight or Let's whatever. Just enjoy so, all we can get. True enough. And and one thing, I want to start right off, I really like, and Garth Ennis does, three-issue arcs a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, a nice length for comics. I, you know, for a long time, we were in six-issue arcs and things like that. And the three-issue arc is really, really a pretty sweet deal because you can, you can tell just, just a nice little sort of tale. And uh, basically, this is a war comic, and it's a very niche war comic in, in terms of it here in Southeast Asia in the 50s, um, you know, Post World War II, I think they said nine years after World War II, so it'd be fifty-two. Um, ooh, um, Korea as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, but pre-Vietnam War, but these are the sort of the stirrings of what becomes the Vietnam War. And there were a couple of things about the issue that really stood out for me. I mean, I mean, just overall, the quality of this series so far has been way up there. Whether you, I mean, and, and people who listen to this know that I'm, I'm totally biased towards, I love war comics. I, I don't read very many of them. And if anybody's going to do war comics, Garth Ennis is the best guy in the business at doing them. So what he's done is he's taken this other version of the Marvel, you know, Fury character and, and, and done the story around him. And, and he basically, he's kind of washed up after World War II. He pissed off the wrong people and he got, he got put off in this backwoods post. Um, Indochina. Yeah. French Indochina. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's the, the French are being driven out, and he goes to a forward operating base that has no support. And there was a really interesting sort of story that had taken place where the guy training uh, the troops there was, was an ex-Nazi, and, and uh, Fury's, you know, second-in-command went out to, to kick his ass. He thought that wasn't right. He got the crap beat out of him. In the middle of that, this is at the end of the last issue, everybody attacks and all hell breaks loose. Um, there's a really nice conversation at the beginning of this. Uh, and I quoted it at the very beginning of our uh, of my of my review, where you know the the guy's like, I, I you know when that got really bad, I I think I shot some of her own guys, and he's like, yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> like it's just the, the sort of acceptance of the awfulness of war, and it's a it's it, it's hard, it's very subtle. Like there's a lot going on here that's that's not being said directly, but if you sort of look at it and you you feel through the tone of it, I mean, the fact that it's Nick Fury is kind of irrelevant, other than you just know like he's a, he's a really good soldier. You know, he did a lot of good things in World War II. That's kind of all you need to know out of this. Um, but they're really exploring sort of the delicate relationships that happen in war, and then and then of course again all hell breaks loose, and and the. The French, but, but way worse this time. Right, yeah. The and you hear, you see that among the the army, the soldiers that were there, there were uh, you know there were spies, there were hidden guys, and they take down the Nazi who gets his comeuppance. He's the Nazi. He kind of deserved it. And and Nick Fury doesn't say a word for the last second half of the book. 
he just stands there staring in sort of abject horror and they they give him this busted gun They're like you want this and he sort of dumbly takes it and then walks back you know through like a, a, a trail of, of heads on spikes uh, and it's grim it's a total downer ending uh, and I loved every second of it I think uh, I, I think this is a really fun issue in terms of like storytelling Goran Parlov is I, I didn't read Punisher Max this guy is amazing does this kind of make yeah, you want to go read Punisher Max now Oh, yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it definitely does. No, I, I, I liked everything about it. I really love this cartooning style. There's a little of that sort of raw, brushy feel, you know, just sort of dripped all over the place, a little, little Somni-esque, um, but a little, a little harder edge, I guess, to it. Um, I, I, I loved every bit of it. Ron and I have been talking about this the whole time. Yep. This is the first time we've actually got to, but we've, we've, we've loved this. I mean, the Parloff has some great internal um, compo- composure, composure. That's not a composition. Composition. Uh, <laughs> internal composition, some framing. There's also some composure issues as well with. Uh, was, and, I'm like, and I'm like, yeah. He just, he just, he just can't keep it together when he's drawing. No. He just, he loses his composure <laughs> left and right. What's interesting about the best thing about this issue, I thought, was that it ends in a way you don't expect it to. This yeah. part of this particular story does. I mean, the, 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 the big fight was the last issue, and you're, you don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of downtime. Is the Nazi the bad guy that they're going to have to deal with what's going on? And all of a sudden, everything just all hell breaks loose. Like Josh said, the, a bunch of bombs go off. Everybody dies except for Nick Fury. And then, and then he just gets to walk away cause, because I guess they respect him. I guess the, I don't I mean. No, I don't know. He basically said he's like, I want you to tell them. Right. Tell them what just happened here. Tell them that, that the French, the colonials, the, the, the European power just got to live in crap beat out of it by, by us, you know, a bunch of rebels. And we're not even close to being done. Well, what I think is interesting was that the, the moment before he gets the gun and told to go away is the conversation he has with the leader of, of the, 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 that kind of thing. And the, that, the last two lines, that this is not French Indochina, Colonel Fury. It's not French anything. This is Vietnam. Like, this is the beginning yeah. of Vietnam. Like, this is the beginning yeah. Of, yeah. of the nightmare of the 60s, which is And just, if you yeah. think about it, it you know, this is this this is taking place in 1952. These events are are all basically real. They're, you know, yeah. this is the timeline. This is the realistic thing, and it's very interesting to me that you know the Vietnam War didn't kick off until the, you know the 60s and the mid 60s, and it went on until 1975. Yeah, well, we, well, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't get involved until then. I mean, like yeah. that's that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, so this is 1954, and so this is yeah. all. Yeah, I was listening to 11 o'clock comics, and Neesman was talking about, it, and he's like, I think this takes place in the late 60s, and I was screaming, I'm like, 54. Oh. But and the one thing that got me about this was just that the pools of blood. Yeah. Like, oh, and, just and so not, grim. Yeah, but not like um, – no, 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 not in an overexploitative no, way. No, no, no. Like as, it's like the battle is over and par- what Parlov has done is like it's as if like the rainstorm has ended. And there's little yeah. like puddles of blood, like that. That I mean, like no, it's not in a in a graphic way, just in a shit. You know, shit got real. It's a matter way. of fact way, and yeah. in the same way that the conversation is very matter of fact about the horrors of war. The artist as well. Yeah. I, I one of the ways that Parlov really impressed me is is if you look at his the posture of his characters, yep. and the way that their body language emotes, and if you just look at, at Nick Fury's face through pretty much the whole second half of this, like the shock on his face and just sort of his his shoulders are slumped and and then at the same time the poise of the of the Viet Minh uh leader um that's just just really nice cartooning yeah uh, and it, you know we're like a, a lot of joke Hubert in here obviously which is very good yeah, yeah. um he will uh Ennis will take any opportunity to write a war story we've mm-hmm. talked to him about it in the past he loves the war stories he will sneak them into Marvel and DC DC work as he can um, but from from war stories to the battlefields and stuff to even to, to Dan Dare a bit, it's, he just 
he excels in that genre. Yep. I think I've so I, much. He's done a lot of reading and thinking about the men, you know, involved and, and the women also. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so there was no, for me, you know, hands down that that was that was the pick of the week. It was it was it was almost preordained, but it actually exceeded my expectations, which is good. Which is, I mean, when you got a book that you like going into it, you know, sometimes it's like it's hard to not yeah. give yourself a bias to it. But it's nice that it, it kind of exceeded your expectations, and maybe yeah. maybe other books didn't match your expectations. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I believe you're putting words in my mouth. I am. I am. So the the big book of the week was the was the 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 book that the the series that shall not be named. <laughs> if you, if you, depending on how you feel about it, but uh, before Watchmen, Minutemen number one, written and drawn by Darwin Cook, came out. This is the first of the before Watchmen thing. Before we get into the actual content, feel a little flimsy. You know what? You said that, and I didn't feel that. Oh, yeah, I didn't either. Oh, it yeah. feels like a sixteen-page book to me. The, the, I, didn't, I didn't think so the, at all. The, the weird, the weird thick cover, like kind of bendy cover stock, but then the paper stock is just like I. I to me, it felt felt like a, a not a three ninety-nine book, and I was like, oh, they're skipping on the page on the pa- on the paper. Uh, I when when before Watchmen got announced, I think my statement was I would watch Darwin Cook uh, do a graphic novel adaptation of the phone book. Mm-hmm. So, right. and we're all good big Darwin Cook fans, so I assume that we all like this. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's hard. It, the thing is, it's hard to read it in a vacuum. Yeah, it, yeah. And as much as I, and I don't want to, I don't really want to get into all the crap surrounding it. And by crap, I mean all the yelling, yeah, screaming. We- no matter what side you're on, agreed. Uh, I try to just look at the story, and but it but it was hard. It was yeah. hard to not yeah. n- read it through that lens of knowing everything going on around it. Yeah, what, what, I, what, what I thought was really really interesting was the first two pages were very much you know in the Alan Moore vein of things, yep. Yep. and then the top of page three is almost like Darwin going, I, "I'm not Darwin. I'm not Alan Moore." I gotta do my own thing, you know what I mean? Like it felt the, the first three pages felt a little meta, you know what I mean? In terms of in terms of like, okay, I'm doing Watchmen, I've got to do this, and, and then through the voice of Hollis Mason, where he goes, "Face it, girl, I'm no Tolstoy," you know, like it's Darwin just saying, "Okay, I'm gonna do do my thing," and yeah. like and like that, I was like, "Okay, cool," like that was like he kind of just got it out of the way up front. Um, and the thing is, is that ultimately this feel, you know, like it, it feels, it, you know, I'm. I'm intrigued by it, but you know, like it, it was, it was very introduc- introducing the characters, kind of setting the stage. Nothing, you know, n- you know, nothing really happened, you know. Um, but I, I, I got for me, I, it was, it was. I, I went in with an open mind. I know, and I have, I have mixed feelings on it, on all the stuff. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't. A card away from the sort of morality of everything. Like I don't know if we need more of these stories. If I, I, I yeah. want them personally, you know. Right. Um, and I wasn't sure, but I was really excited about a whole a new Darwin Cook written and drawn book. But I gotta say, it, it wasn't bad, but it didn't feel right in <laughs> terms of I, I know Watchmen so well, mm-hmm. and it didn't it it didn't feel like that, right? So it was it was odd. Yeah, like like he's a great person. I don't know if he's actually the right match for this. He sounds like it, and on paper it works. Listening to him talk about it, I was totally into it. I don't have any faults with the issue. But I was kind of like I got. I was like, eh, I don't. I don't know. Like it, it, there was something about it. It didn't. It was good. I have. I have no issues with it. But it didn't really quite do it for me. Right. In the way that like the Parker book will, I guess. But yeah. but again, I I know it so well. It's the well, same thing. It's non Sorkin West Wing. It's like yeah. yeah. But but the thing is, what I did in order to enjoy it was I just looked at it as it didn't. It wasn't involved with Watchmen. It's yep. a story about for heroes in the forties. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. the way I looked at it because. You know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna. It, it's the prequels all over again. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're not. It's not gonna be as good as the original. It's not gonna uh, match up completely. Just enjoy. I'm just trying to enjoy the story as it comes on the page, and not worry about what it leads to as much as I can. You know, it's only the first issue of however many issues we're gonna get. It may fall. That may fall. That strategy might fall apart yeah. later on. But for now, that's 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 what's working for me at the moment. Like all all his characters, you know, were spot on. Like that. Like these are the right characters. It's just like this doesn't look like Watchmen. You know what I mean? Like it's it's completely not Dave Gibbons. Um, it's really interesting to to think of it in that way. Um, I don't know. It was it was a little odd. I couldn't get entirely on board, and I I don't know exactly why. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, yes, it's not Dave Gibbons, but I think it's definitely rooted in the Dave Gibbons kind of approach. You know, like you can kind of almost see the nine panel grid underneath his pages. You know, and and kind of adjusting where he needs to, and 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 you know, and I liked. I, I think is I liked. I mean, I like the elements that are Darwin. You know, what I mean, I like the yeah. the little char- the little two pages on each character with the little um, whether it's a magazine spread for Sally Jupiter or a news you know news clipping for Night Owl or you know the comedian's you know mugshot. You know, what I mean, I thought that was there were interesting little elements in Darwin being able to tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I love and I just love the time period. And I love Darwin's ability to tell a story within that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it didn't, you know, like it, it's, it's no watchman, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's, uh, you know like, yeah. and this is the one time we can actually say that and have it be, yeah. you know, not unfair, it's, yeah. but it's also no Parker. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it, it doesn't but have also not everything will be. No, yeah, I, yeah. I know that, but there, there's a spark in Parker. You can look at it right now and that just, it, it's not there. Yeah. Um, but again, like, you know, it, it was, I was impressed by it from a craft standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. But there's a you know an X factor. I yeah, I mean that's a, that's the thing. It's like I was trying to think what, what what you know I haven't gone through and rated my books yet, but I don't think I would give this five stars. I'd but give it a four. I would give it a four, but I think the only reason why I don't give it a four, a five is because it just lacks that it just lacks that magic, Josh. I think you're talking about. You know, what I mean, like visually it looks great. You know, uh, the executionally, it's you know, it's it's great. You know what I mean? It's Darwin. Technically, do- it's fine. Yeah, technically, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. But it just it, it's yeah, maybe and maybe it's all the baggage that comes with it or whatnot. It, I don't that's know. very possible. Yeah. Like yeah. it was I think, hard. I think not it really to think is. It's, it's a shroud over the whole thing now. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is, I mean, the first time I heard about this this project, I laughed because it's it was just so stupid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, so I think I think that sort of that sort of holds over everything. What will really be the, the test will be years from now when people who read it. Weren't involved in all the strum and drang around the whole thing. Well, what will they think about it? I guess well, they forget yeah. about it. You know what? Is, what's funny to me is that I feel like the movie that they did that he didn't want them to do was much worse than this. Yeah, because a hundred times more people saw that. Yeah, that's yeah, true. You know, and there was a lot more money in La La, and he gave the money away. Yeah, he said, "You take it, Dave. I don't want it." And and the other thing, Dave Gibbons is on board, and he's half of it. Yeah. So you know, I don't know. That's that's a whole thing. Um, You'll be happy to know that in a grand tradition, I didn't read the pirate part. I, <laughs> I was, I was about to, and I was like, eh, no. In a grand, well, no. <laughs> and I, it also said it's going to be continued in one of the ones that I, I'm not going to buy. So. Well, I read it, and I was just like, two pages. <laughs> like I was expecting a little more, to be honest. But like, it's a mean story about the pirate that people skipped over in the original text, which is <laughs> as good as anything's ever been. Yeah. And and it's so that you, that you can maybe they'll buy the Straczynski one this time. Yeah. Oh, and they won't. I won't. <laughs> Pirates. Oh god. All right. Well, the other the other um, crime against comics that's currently happening is uh, over at Marvel with Avengers vs X Men with with going back to the Phoenix Well. I don't understand why more pe- why more people you are more decided obs- now. It's a crime vs comics. I, I've decided it's a crime vs comics now. <laughs> you know. You did know this was what was coming. The I mean, they were they were not. I was coy. surprised. No, I've been on a media blackout. I had no idea. 
Yeah, but I just feel like <laughs> I'm kidding. So in AVX, that was very good. A- AVX number five. Um, uh, this this one was written by uh, Matt Fraction, and it's the fight on the moon between the Avengers and the X Men, and and Hope gets all mad and goes stop everybody and blast them, and then she realizes she can't control the Phoenix power and tells Wolverine to kill her, and Cyclops stops her, and you're like, all right, and you know, and then um, Iron Man builds a big celestial Iron Man suit, him and Hank Pym. And, Transformer suit. Yeah, exactly. And then the Phoenix bird comes, and of course, there's like each panel of like the little the pairs fighting. I, you know, like I don't get the allure of the, you know, like Hawkeye and, and Emma Frost fighting. Like we did Civil War already. You know, like I, I just don't get as excited for That's it. Exactly why. But um, but then the Phoenix bird shows up, and um, and what I love is that like when the Phoenix arrives, there's like all these reactions. You know, and so the, there's them on, you know, so it, Tony Stark takes off in the little Iron Man thing and the Phoenix Bird arrives and you see them on the moon and then you see the Secret Avenger folks that are out in space kind of react, Captain Britain and, and Beast and Vision kind of react. And then <laughs> inexplicably, and I'm pretty sure it's, I'm, I'm it, this hasn't appeared in any other tie-in because I'm pretty sure I'm reading the ones I'm supposed to, but in Ibiza, Spain, <laughs> it's... <laughs> It's Professor Xavier and his son Legion, knee deep in water on the beach. <laughs> and Xavier, in Xavier's in a suit, and Legion just and then Xavier goes ah like the psych- psychic re- reclash. What are they doing in a piece of Spain? Like just they're like, partying. I know. <laughs> just, Why were they in the water? In I don't the know. in their regular clothes. I don't know. That's, like a, that's a bit. That's a bit of a Fire Island situation. It's like it? I want to see what that story is. But yeah, but so basically, um, Tony Stark and his Celestial Iron Man thing goes and he shoots something at Phoenix and and the, the Phoenix disperses and they think they've won. But oh no, in fact, the Phoenix wasn't here for hope. Uh, it rejects hope and instead, and because of Tony's little gun thing, it spreads the Phoenix force and now has taken over Cyclops, Emma, Namor, Colossus, and Magic. And they all have Phoenixy costumes and now they're the Phoenix Force 5. But the most important... Wait, is that a real... No, no, I just named okay. them the Phoenix okay. Force 5. <laughs> I, I would quit comics. <laughs> but um, the most important thing, though, is now Colossus has hair again. Inexplicably. Well, is, is, but is that, a, is that a story element or is that just Ramita drawing? Because he also he, draws Tony Stark with, with just a mustache. You know, I think it's, Ramita, you, I think it's Ramita drawing him with hair. But I, nah, bet you everyone, I, do it. I bet you everyone follows him. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Yeah. About, you know the double-page spread when you – like the third page when they're, they're running at each other? Yeah. What's the deal with Cap's shield just hanging in the middle? <laughs> what is the deal with that, Cap's <laughs> It's just hanging there in the middle. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> Ramita is not, I think, really paying attention. <laughs> oh, just yeah, this is just uh, a mess. It's a mess. And then Uncanny X Men number thirteen, as opposed to actually, you know, and, uh, and Gillen and the, this. There's two things going on: scenes of uh, the the generation whatever generation Hope characters, the, the Five Lights talking to Unit, and that stuff was interesting. And I think Gil- Kieran is doing something interesting with Unit in the world of this crossover, similar to what he did with Loki in the um, in Fear itself. But the other main plot point was just Magneto, Storm, and Psylocke just sitting back on earth drinking while the fight is happening on the moon and it was just like oh this is pointless so <laughs> it just continues to peter along um earth 2 number 2 this is the big uh, re- gay reveal issue and uh <laughs> i um i a i love this book i love this issue but b i could, i think i could be talking into this flash costume talked into her are you kidding me? i think i, I think i could be talked into it yeah i, I think i could the be helmet thinking- is right there 
in motion, <laughs> it's not as bad from multiple from different angles. You know what? Bad. I'll tell you one thing about the costume that bugged me. What? Yeah. Inexplicable zippers. Where? Well, that's on what the all the costumes have. They're oh, yeah. huge zippers on the boots. Everything else is completely streamlined. Yet there, you got the old YKK. Yeah. <laughs> They got the they got the monopoly on the zippers. All I gotta say is at one point Josh sent me a text with a, a picture of the page and the quote the worst line in the book <laughs> where Jay Garrick is reacting to his powers and he goes, "Man, makes doing my parkour way easier." <laughs> this will get the kids in. Like I don't understand if that's like in in like tongue in cheek or like you know actually Jay Garrick is an avid parkourist. We don't know anything about this, Jay Garrick. He might be. <laughs> Um, no, but uh, Connor, I'm with you. I loved it. I, I, lo- I love this yeah. world. I love the world where, where like, w- w- I don't know what happened to Mr. Terrific. I didn't know he was getting tied into it. Um, I didn't either. But, like, he wasn't working in the other universe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the whole, his reaction to Manhattan and the world without Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, I think was great. I, you know, and I think, you know, like, I... I and the the gay thing was what it was just it's who Alan Scott is it wasn't you know it doesn't although I don't know listen according to the ER rules that guy's fucked well yeah well the well, the, tra- the, the train blew up the train blew the, up the giant <laughs> penis size shape uh, penis shaped train did you see that on the last, second to last page it's like that is one penis like train <laughs> what kind of weird penis do you have huh? <laughs> it's got a divot <laughs> it's bent to the right like that yeah. <laughs> all right enough anyway but um i have peroni's disease um oh, jesus uh no but i, I thought i, I thought this I was great i love i, like, I, I, guess, I, might. I, I don't i don't <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta, listen guys i want you guys to know yeah um cool. no but i i think it's great i think it's great I, I love what robinson's doing with this book so and they are it's fantastic yeah uh it's a little bit i mean she's not a monthly artist so it's a little bit not as sharp as she normally is, but it's still very, very good. Right. I got to yeah. say that Mercury was in that whole yelling at, at Jay for uh, what felt like longer than three pages. And, and acknowledging that he was yelling. Listen. Acknowledging that he was yelling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, listen to me. <laughs> ah, sigh. Everybody yells at Jay. Jay is a sad sack. Um, so Action Comics number 10, this is what I want. Yeah. This is the shit. I mean, this was this was this is my pick of the week. This is what the book. We've had two in a row, two great issues in a row. Uh, what's interesting about here is we've gone back in time, which we didn't think we were going to do. So that's back to t-shirt and jeans cap. I mean, not cap, <laughs> Superman. Yep. Um, so we get a flashback to uh, <laughs> yeah, Superman and the, and the president that tries to give some hamsters to the Justice League. They don't want them. So wait. Uh, so what I didn't quite understand was that. So does Superman? Was this all? Is this whole issue a flashback? So Teacher Superman also has the armor. No, 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 no. In the in the present day, Superman is trying to give away these hamsters and also uh, get just like be more proactive in the world, like more yeah. like the authority. Yeah. Uh, and he flashes back to a how he got the hamsters by by. Um, okay. All right. And then you know what I'm saying so the, the the present day stuff is when he's in Justice League in the suit, and then the the past stuff is yeah, is which I which is what I thought a present day th- nod would have would have helped because you had you had the past yeah. on the top of the page and the present day at the bottom, but yeah, so yeah, so. I agree with that. Yeah. But um, great character stuff, you know, Rex Morales is, is again like Nicole Scott. He's not a monthly artist, so it's not his A game, but it's his B game, and it's good. Um, really great Superman stuff. Great old t-shirt and jeans superman being angry and being very you know that 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 character we loved in that first issue who was sort of angry and uh, and on and unpredictable and dangerous in that sense that he's back and it's it's just been great yep this is a wonderful issue cool i will go back and get that you should you should because they they lost me a little bit um uh, uh, the the runner-up uh from sort of out of nowhere because i didn't really love the first issue 
uh, as much was uh, Secret Number Two. So from, uh, good. Jonathan Hickman and um, Ryan, Ryan Buddenheim. Ryan, Ryan Buddenheim. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- I feel like this should have been the first issue. No, like, I, I, no, yeah, I don't say that. I don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> this was good, but I thought the first issue was much better setting really? up the, the world and the characters and the, the story. I mean, yeah, this kind of delved into one character. So yeah. this this issue was the one that convinced me I need to read this in trade because it's gonna be very dense with a lot of characters who look similar. And so I'm, I'm after this, I'm skipping. Not that I love the issue, but I'm. Oh, you're gonna miss out. Trade. I think. Oh, Great the, cold open. Why am I, how am I gonna miss out by reading it later? Because you suck. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna read it later than you. I love the color. I love the coloring, like the 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 colors are just so like like the the they accentuate the the scenes and the emotions and like what I thought was so interesting was that the colors even within a conversation, mm-hmm. you know to you know like to to to, to utilize that that yellow hue and the blue hue, you know to kind of you know keep the you know in a way to help define the characters but also in the um in the pace of the conversation I just thought it was really really well done. So. I just—it's kind of amazing to see the the progress the artist has made since the last uh, series they did together. Yeah, it's 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 a whole other thing. Yeah, uh, in, in a really much better. Yeah, it's much yeah. stronger. Yeah, it's so, very good. So go, good. go pick it up. It's one of the other really good things that I I, I kind of forgot about in sort of the torrent of of, of new series you know that are, that keep coming. I, lo- uh, I well, love especially the- in the face of the Manhattan Projects, which gets all the buzz from Hickman and Image. This is Hickman and Image's other book, and it's it's. For me, is good in just good, just different ways. Yeah, no, I, I, a, a couple of guys in my store actually at the store where I shop said that they actually like this better than Manhattan Projects. Like, so, I can, yeah, I can see that. Totally to, to, what, what's really cool is that it's it appears anyway to be a very different kind of story. Oh, absolutely, Manhattan it's Projects much more grounded and real than the other one. Yeah, the other yeah. one's more science fictiony. This is yeah. more like just you know bad dudes in the real world doing yeah. bad stuff. I love the, I love now that we're extended to a four page title page. <laughs> One day it's going to be the whole book. Oh, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. Then Sigma's going to laugh. <laughs> Private joke. <laughs> Private joke. Hey, uh, creators and publishers, if you're out there listening, and I, and I know a lot of you are, if you're looking for a way to get your book in front of as many eyes as possible, as easily as possible, uh, graphically has the best solution to do that. You can upload your books, comics, children's books, sketchbooks, photography books, anything that's graphic-based, uh, and in just a few simple steps, you can be on your way to getting inside the Amazon Kindle store, Barnes & Noble's Nook store, Kobo, and, and, and the Apple iBook store. There's no, need, uh, there's no need to have readers and find a specific app just, for, just made for reading comics. Send your readers to the digital bookstores where people go looking for books as opposed to a little comic store. Uh, but the place where all the readers are. And 29% of all adults now owning tablets and e-reader devices and sales in 2011 increasing to over 300, over 300% from last year's to over 3 million e-books sold. That is a lot of potential customers. And so if you're serious about sort of getting your book out to as many eyeballs as possible, you need to check out what we've got going on at graphically.com where you'll find a full list of pricing and the services and the things that are happening. Ron, you were at the, you were at the BEA, the Book Expo. Digital, big deal. Yeah, big deal, big deal. Big that's what I'm saying. So if that's not something you were thinking, if you're if you're making comics or really any content, you you need to be thinking about how to get into the the book market. And the graphically is is doing is making that a service to be very easily and affordable for you. Ron, you are BEA Fedora's big deal. Uh, not till the last day, apparently. What about those things that I don't know what they're called, but you know when you when you put like a strap around the upper arm on a dress shirt. <laughs> the kind that like accountants had. What are those called? Bob Cratchit. Oh, the arm yeah. garters. Is that is an arm garter? I think that's it. I mean, What's the point what of the that? What's the point of it? Yeah. They, what, what they were was I think they 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 had like little half sleeves that went over their sleeves to protect from the ink 
to protect their dress shirt from the ink, I think. Oh, did it yeah. hold it onto their arm? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, maybe a little clips on it or something? Yep, yeah, I think that's what we're talking about here. Hmm. So. Interesting. Not nearly as sexy as the other kind of garment. No. No, not at all. Anyway, all right, cool. So, yeah, go to graphly.com, check that all out. Um, you don't have to wear those things. Right. That's clear. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Uh, the, 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 the curious case of creator-owned heroes, number one. Okay, here's, here's... I really liked both of the stories in here. I really liked the Phil Noto story. I know he drew it. It was Pamiati and Gray who wrote it. I mean, but I was like, this is, this is, Good. This is beautiful. Yep. Uh, I hate this title. Well, yeah. The, the, well, the name, the name. I just think it's a bad name because... You're you're marketing your book based on the fact that it's creator owned, and I, I don't I don't see that as a draw. Well, I got the real sense that they intend this to be like a magazine. Yes, you yeah. know, with all it's the art, it's, it's 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 laid out like a magazine. The cover is yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, it, it, with, with, although they use the horrible punch font. The two great comics interviews that font is so 1997. Um, but um, yeah, but but what but my whole thing was is that yeah, I, I agree with you. I think creator owned heroes is an awful name for it. Um, I get what they're trying to do, and I read I read their numerous attempts at explaining why it's called what it's called. Um, and, I think stories need to be sold on the basis of the stories. Well, yeah, and, and I, th- and I think you, I think you, I think if you want if you want a cool comics magazine like Clint or like twenty two thousand AD or you know in that grand tradition of that sort of thing, then fucking name it that. And Creator and Heroes doesn't get that. Like it's really like Creator and Heroes isn't. I don't get the sense that American Muscle and Trigger, Trigger Girl 6, the two comic stories in here, are the heroes. I get the sense that Jimmy Palmiotti and Steve Niles are the heroes. Yes. Yes. Which is yes. like, really? You know, yeah. like, you know and so. But, but I, and I, I, I think yeah. it's a disservice. I think it's a disservice to the good Because comic. the comics were good. Yep. Yep. I, and I enjoyed the comics, and I think you should go read this. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a strategy misstep. Yep. Agreed. Um, so there, and 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 uh, I, I, Kevin Mellonart was actually really good, also. I thought it was a, it was a good step forward, too. Yep. Good looking. Yep, that's all. I'd like to say the Dark Avengers one seventy five was a step forward. Well, I want. Well, I think in general, Jeff Parker is on a little bit of a roll uh, between Dark Avengers one seventy five and Hulk number fifty three coming out in the same week. Um, he, I mean, his little corner of Marvel, what he's doing is is great. I, I, I have so much I, fun looking forward to it. I didn't really like this story. Oh, you didn't? It, oh, I thought it was good. I, I just. Uh, you know, it's the same thing. Like, I think it was the change. I really liked what was going on, and I feel like it ended really quickly. And we don't know what happened with those other guys. And but I think I think we're gonna find out. I think that. No, I mean, like, I what, what's what's interesting is that what, what what the sense I get is that you've got two things going on now, and mm-hmm. and we've spent a lot of time with the team in the past and all that sort of stuff. In and now, and part you know part of it, my thought as I was reading that stuff is I was thinking, well, what's going on with the other stuff? And so now we're at Lu, you know with Luke Cage, Songbird, and, and Mach Five or whatever, and and them trying to find them with the wrinkle of this new team thrown across. And I imagine you know like the sense I get, and especially from hearing Jeff Parker talk about in interviews, is that it's going to tie like this is the story and it's going to tie together, and Thunderbolts will be back. I mean, no, that, I, that, yeah, I I agree. Yeah, and yeah. and by the end of it, I was a little more on board, but for the yeah. first bit of it, I was like, oh, this isn't really what I wanted. But yeah. um. But you, I mean, you're right. He's 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 doing great work overall. Yeah. Just, uh, and Hulk 53 was um, Dale Eaglesham drawn Hulk like uh, like that. This fit and it helps that he had uh, Alpha Flight in there. But this just looked great. I thought. Oh, did he do Alpha Flight? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> so was, was Hulk like giant? Yes. Everyone else gets bigger. So I can imagine Hulk. Yeah, Hulk bigger. is. Yeah, he's hulking. In fact, he was as big as Citizen Steel. Yeah. But th- I mean, but this this has got this has got Red Hulk. It's got uh, Rick Jones. It's got She Hulk. It's got Lyra. It's got uh, Alpha Flight. Um, you know, so it's it's a lot of, a lot of good stuff going on in this. So um, and the cover is just beautiful. 
I can't imagine there's a book that's more fun to write than Dial H. Um, am I the only one still reading this? I'm gonna I'm gonna go check it out. I'm gonna go pick it up digitally. Okay, and I'll Dial check H, it out. as I said last time, is is the old Dial H for hero character where you 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 uh, dial a phone and you have different superpowers each time. And so what the writer trying to uh, Meville does every time is come up with a bunch of dumb heroes <laughs> that awesome. don't don't exist for more than a couple of panels, depending on the story. Um, it's just silliness. It's a you know there's a there's a character called Double Bluff who doesn't you know there's a guy called Pelican Army who's got a bunch of pelicans and uh, <laughs> Shamanticore who's a, sh- a shaman shaman lion awesome. and uh, uh, the one he won't he didn't show but he never wants to be rancid ninja again and and there's like a, the main character he's Control Alt Delete which is a guy with a computer head and uh, Iron Snail who's got a giant snail like tank on his back and it's just his, his notebook must be amazing. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's a couple of storytelling problems in the middle where, with the villain. We don't really understand what's going on because it is a new writer at comics. But on the other hand, the amount of imagination and fun in all these different versions of characters is just off the wall. And uh, it's just totally fun to read. Plus, this, you know, the, the main character is kind of a fat, smoking guy who, when he, when he loses his powers, is, is completely inadequate in any, any kind of heroic situation. So there's a nice dichotomy between the guy when he's when himself and when he's a hero. So Were you, uh, are you familiar stuff. with, with uh, Meville's work? Are you no? Are you he's a novelist, correct? Right. Yeah, I'm, yeah. yeah. I've heard of him. Yes, I've heard of him, but I don't, I'm not read his books. But uh, check out at least one issue of it, and just just uh, uh, wonder at the imagination that's going on in these issues. Cool. Cool. So I can't imagine what you would want to talk about for Sweet Tooth. Well, with Sweet Tooth number thirty-four. Talk about burying the lead. You get the cover, and it says Sweet Tooth. This is Jeff Lemire and Vertigo and yada yada, and no mention of the fact that. Um, what thirteen pages of the story are drawn and colored by Nate Powell, which, you're, if you're a fan of Nate Powell's work, is a pretty big deal. It's pretty kind of awesome. Um, so Jeff Lemire does. It's one of those uh, flashback stories, and Lemire does the the first two pages and the last three pages to kind of set it up and then end it. And then the middle story is illustrated by Nate Powell, which is just I and I I've loved these little glimpses of Sweet Tooth World through other artists' kind of eyes. Um and Napal just is 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 great and so this was this was a as soon as I got like turned got the page three I went oh and then I got all excited again so um you got you got to let us know on the cover there DC Vertigo I th- I thought the story was a little rote oh well the story I don't even, I'm just waiting for this to end God just end <laughs> uh, I was just more marveling <laughs> that, at was a, that was a one eighty I was just marveling <laughs> at how it looked that's all. <laughs> Awesome. Like when I got to the last page, it says next, the end. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> the end begins, it says. <laughs> What's the last issue of this book? He announced it was 40? So I think it's six more, maybe? Six could, more I months. Could, I could yeah. be wrong. I could be wrong. They go they go fast. Yeah. He draws fast. Hey, so that's all that we have to say about the books of the week. We had plenty, apparently, to say. Um, but we also want to talk about what you, the community, and the users thought of the books of the week. So we have the top five picks of the week as determined by the iFanboy community. Connor, read through them. Number five was the iFanboy pick of the week, Fury Max number three with 7.0%. We should remind you this is at the time of recording. This could change by the time you listen. Number four was Action Comics number 10 with 7.5%. That is a nice return to uh, the top from, from Grant Morrison's book. Number three was Swamp Thing number 10 with 7.8%. Number two was Before Watchmen Minutemen number one with 15.9%. And number one was Earth 2 number one with 35.9%. I'm glad to see... James Robinson getting a little bit of Love. recognition from the people. Yeah, well deserved. Well deserved. It's the book he should be writing. Yep, it is. And it always has been. Uh, e. Junkerman 
wrote nice. in about um, Winter Soldier number six, which was the number six on the top five. Uh, gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. Pick of the week percentage is 5.6%. Uh, and it says, now that we're finally through the first arc, this book has really turned into something extraordinary. If you like Brubaker's first 42 issues of Captain America, you will love this. Michael Lark really compliments Brubaker's script with dark tones and shadows while maintaining the clarity of the scene. Story-wise, from the opening page to the cliffhanger ending, I was in awe of the espionage feel of the book that Brubaker Brubaker is known for in his early Cap issues. If you were to read Winter Soldier number six after Captain America number 42, or 619 for that matter, it would feel like the same series. Personally, I wish they hadn't renumbered again and kept Winter Soldier, Captain America, and Captain America and whoever as one series. Marketing. If anyone jumped off ship due to fear itself or the gulag or whatever mediocre Cap written book, this issue is the one you should check out. That's the whole Agreed. Thing. Agreed, too. I've been loving this book this- since issue one. Yep. But this might be the best issue with Michael Lark on pencils, with Steve Epting on the cover. So you've got the whole Cap team in, involved in this book. Um, the whole original Cap, or the, like, the modern day original Cap team. Uh, it's not like it's Jack Kirby and Joe Stanley. Uh, <laughs> or, or Joe, Joe Simon and, and Jack Kirby. Uh, so um, great stuff. I feel and like it, is, I feel like it was a different Lark at, at its points. You know, like the, yeah. the the flashback the flashback sequences with the with the target that they're chasing. Like those those panels were like the, the, those were really interesting. I thought. Yeah, this this is fun. You can pick this issue up. Basically, it's it's Winter Soldier chasing other versions of him that that the, the Russians had that have escaped their uh, stasis, and, and there's the last one he's, he's chasing. And quite quite honestly, I know this is a, it, we've said it before, but I think a lot of it goes to probably to Betty Brightweiser with the coloring. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think uh, Michael Lark being colored by her is probably the difference, and that's probably what I'm picking up upon. So. Yeah. Also, a very shocking, shocking death in this one. Actually, yeah. That I'm yeah. not going to spoil for anyone who hasn't read it, but it, uh, this is this is the this is the Brew Baker who we've been missing for many years mm-hmm. on this book. Agreed. Yeah. Now, Michael Lark's not the regular artist on this. No, no, no. It's, it's it was guys. it was Butch, Butch guys for the first arc, and now Lark's doing this arc. I think he, it's the arc. He hasn't been on a regu- on a book regularly for a while. No, he hasn't. After Daredevil, he was like, "I'm good. Hmm. Thank you. No, I'm I. Thank you. <laughs> do it. Do it yeah. properly. Yeah." I ain't going to do that series. I'm just going to kick in, you know. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Dick's review. Yeah. Dick's review GI Combat number two. Anything about Dick's there, Michael Lark? Yeah, that's, yeah, I understand. That's all right. Dick's number two gave GI Combat number two a story two out of five in the art, two out of five, and 0.2% of the iFamous made it a pick of the week. And Dick says, I wish I, could, <laughs> yeah. I wish I could review the two halves of GI Combat separately. The War That Time Forgot pleases me somewhat, though perhaps this chapter does little to advance the story. Which at this stage it needs. Away from such technology, away from such much technology and such, though the art works better, showing off some nice-looking and partially feathered dinosaurs. The story is a one I'd still read for a little while, uh, if only to see it pick, if it picks up after the initial growing pains. But Unknown Soldier, I just find this story unattractive to look at and intolerably dull. It just seems so generic to me at this point. Well, what little it does is done so much better in so many other titles. Well, maybe not that many since there aren't loads of military comics in the stands, but you get the idea. Uh, there was a, it should be noted, there was another user review for this book, and it said exactly the opposite. Really? That is, <laughs> that's life and yeah. comics. Yeah, so. Yeah. One <sighs> man's shit is another man's. Sh- Shinola. Shit, yeah. Shinola. What is Shinola? I think it's a, I think it's a shoe shine thing. I don't know. Uh, Josh, that's the second question we've asked in unison, so we have some yeah. sort of weird thing going it's on. It's weird. Today. Yeah, well, it's in Potico. Yeah. All right, so go to I, I, I dropped this book. Everybody. Our cycles are in sync. Oh god, go to ifanboy.com/comics oh. and you can see all the comics come out every week, and you can do your pull list and rate and review them, and come back and write reviews, and we'll put them on the show. You have cramps too, Josh? Because I've got cramps right now. Lately, uh, yeah. they've been pretty heavy. All right, okay. on to the email. 
Yeah. First email comes from Eric from California who says, Hello, iFanboy staff. Great job on the content produced for the website on a week to week basis. Thank you. You can get a guy in trouble taking, uh, you can get a guy in trouble sneaking a quick read of an article while at work. My question is directed towards Josh and whomever else was slash is a fan of John Constantine. What would your initial impression of John Constantine nine months into the new 52 be? So, what do you think of Constantine, Josh? It is bad. <laughs> I really, um, I read the Justice League Dark, which I think was the week I wasn't on the show. Yep. And he was in Swamp Thing this week. No, he oh, was yeah. in Animal Man. Animal, Animal Man. Man, yep. Yeah. Uh, I, have a re- I have a really hard time. I know the character so very well, and I know this is a different version of him, but it ain't, ain't quite right. And, and I really, it is really one of those things like, Americans are not good at writing John Constantine. Or Canadians. Or Cana- either way, not British people. No. Um, and it's ju- it's just not quite right, and it doesn't it doesn't sound good. And and he, it's I don't know. He does, I don't. He, I feel like he doesn't fit in the DCU. And I know that he's a different version of it, but I, I don't want a different version of it. I don't. I don't need a different version of it. Um, I don't want a, a more clean, younger, pretty version that isn't quite as clever or quite as mean. Um, like they just hint at the things he does, but you don't really. Like, you don't know him. It it doesn't really make any sense. But we don't really know his history of this version of it. So uh, I don't like it. Uh, I like I I liked Justice League Dark. I think it was it was fine. It was good. It looked great. It's really I, Michael Janine's a really good artist, by the way. Um, but I, I I have not been able to get into him at all because it just just doesn't sound right uh, at all. Which is interesting because you know it was um, Pete Milligan writing him until he left that book. Because right. um, well, it's a different version. It's, it's... I, I know, but. I mean, it, it, he's got the same name. He looks the same. He wears the same clothing. It's the same deal. Like, you could say he's a different version of but it doesn't mean it feels right. All right. I think you sufficiently answered the question. Next email. It's either from Micah or Jack. Go <laughs> <laughs> with Micah Jack. Micah Jack. Micah Jack says, hey, guys, this is Jack. And I was wondering, with the, with the whole Alan Scott business going on right now, how important do you think things like race, sex, gender, and orientation are to a character's identity? How much would you care if Marvel or DC's most iconic heroes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, etc., were rearranged in these aspects? This is one of the hot topics. Well, I think I, I mean I think that the two questions there is one is how important are they? Well, they're important like as far as what the character is. You know what I mean? Like it's it, your it's, your race, your gender, right, your sexual orientation. These are very important to anybody's personality. Right. Exactly. Um, how do I feel if there were um, iconic heroes were rearranged in these aspects? I think it depends on what what, the mo- what, it, well, what they were and what yeah yeah what, what the motivation yeah. there is. If it's just tokenism to say hey we should make Spider Man black or we should make you know Green Lantern gay or whatever just to be diverse or whatever then that's shitty but if it serves the story then that's another case but you know i would much rather see i wouldn't you know the thing is that you built a legacy of these you know what like it or not you build a legacy of these characters who are most predominantly white males and there are a lot of blondes in there as well um i think changing them for the sake of changing them isn't the right way to go well the thing is as i wrote about this is that they're the publishers are a little damned if you do damn if you don't because they've got everybody hollering at them to show more diversity, right? Or not everybody, but a lot of people. No, it, it's that. constant complaint, and then and, they do when they create new characters. No one cares about right. them. So what, the only thing they can do is change the, the the ones that people are you know interested in. Exactly. You know, and the, and the, the fact is, you know, so many stories have been told with all these people. You know, some of it might be interesting. You know, like the the world. I know, I know that everybody loves Hal Jordan, but a whole lot more people love John Stewart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's a different character. And if you were to get rid of one, you know, most of the world would keep spinning. They would change it. I mean, can you? I, I, I think it would be an incredibly interesting story 
if if they had taken a character not not that Alan Scott's not going to be interesting and not that he's not going to wear more tank tops but <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair it's not untrue though <laughs> it's <still> not fair <laughs> Um, no, uh, it's, it's not that, um, it's just, imagine if they'd really taken like a big character, like one of the justice leaguers and, and really told a story with that, you know, and, and it's been done. I mean, the, I think the authority did it better than anything, yeah. uh, but they were, you know, they were actually kind of able to do their own clean slate with that. But I think that would be really interesting. I mean, if, if they could, but they, they, they can't, yeah. uh, for all sorts of reasons, but it, you know, going forward, I think. You know, everybody's relatively aware of diversity, and and you know when they create new characters, I think there are, there is a lot more diversity than there used to be. If you look at sort of newer books, you know, characters that were created since the '80s, it's it's all over the map a little bit. Yeah. Um, but those characters don't catch on the way that yeah, the I characters mean, the, from the, the '60s. Yeah, the, the sad thing, the sad thing is, is that it's you know it's it's the, the the I think the bigger story is the inability to create new characters that stick, and because really that's where you know the opportunity for diversity comes in, and that's where like you look for the new ideas in comics and the new characters and things like that. There's much more of an opportunity to make a character who just happens to be gay because there are gay people out there, and it's not as much of a you're changing things, and you know Doc Ock isn't gay, and you know so the, the, the other thing is that whenever they do change a character, whenever they make a difference, like it it changes back yeah yeah it always i mean look at look at how again how jordan you know like he was evil and he was dead then he you know now now it's he's just back to what he what he was yeah. you know and they can also it can go badly the rawhide kid was horrid you, you just you, you won't let that one go because it's awful i know it's i know it's we can't all, believe they did it that's how bad it was the rest of us have moved on no not jim mccann <laughs> it's him, true him yeah. and i are him and i are simpatico on this issue yeah <laughs> you like simpatico this ep- this episode have i said that again yeah, yeah. yes <laughs> that's a good word i really like that word <laughs> it's italian i'm tired all right so if you have any questions you can email us at contact.fanboy.com onto the voicemails drew's got a question about these newfangled artists hey this is drew from the jersey shore and i just have a question about digital art i understand penciling and inking art but Nowadays, there seems to be more di- guys who are just doing it on Photoshop or whatever. Like, I know the guy on Captain Adam, Freddie E. Williams, he does it all digitally. And that looks extremely different than someone like Sismund Kredansky, who does the backups for uh, Detective and Spawn. Because, I don't know, like, Shimon's art digitally looks very different compared to Freddie E. Williams. And then... His style is also with the I Vampire artists, who I forget the name of. And I just want to know, do you guys know of any techniques, or what do you guys think about that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if it's something they do with the, you know, the lighting and stuff, but it's all it's all the same thing, but it's just the different looks and what you guys think about that. I don't know. First of all, Drew, uh, you were awesome as Randall and Clerks. And <laughs> second, second of all... Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, glad that hit. Well done. Uh, well done. Second of all, I, I think you're a little behind uh, in that. Uh, I remember Freddie Williams was actually one of the first guys to sort of, um, you know, go all digital, and, and he drew he drew that way. But since then, it's been a tidal wave. Uh, there are guys drawing digital, you know, on a Cintiq all across the industry, and you have no idea. You know, the tools that they well, use. Most, I think, well, I think most of them might, well, might be doing it. At least to a certain extent. Like I, think I, there's I, a, I, I know there's a, a bunch key, of guys. I, I think there's a key thing that he's missing here, which is that he's drawing a line between uh, regular draw, like not regular, but like pe- drawing with pencils and inks and stuff like that and drawing digitally. And it's just another tool. And the reason why you're seeing different kinds of artists is because each artist used those tools differently. 
and the, the, there's a lot more. You know, when when Freddie started doing it, you kind of you could kind of see it because it was it, it had like a cleanliness that. But now, you know, the different versions of Manga Studio and and some people draw in other stuff. You know, there are brushes and tools for everything. They're going to look exactly like they do if it was if it was uh, you know actual pen paper. Mm. Freddie's style, Freddie Williams' style, would look the same if you drew it. That's true. We, we've seen his you know his con sketches. It, it's just. That's his style, and yeah. it would look that way whether he drew it on paper or whether he drew it on a screen. You know, so there there it's, are it's, some it's, guys. There's there are some guys who who aren't going to, uh, you know, Sean Sean uh, Murphy. Murphy. You know, he's 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 a paper guy. But even he told me he's like, you know, maybe, you know. But a ton of guys, you know, the Cintiqs are 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 pretty much the norm at this point. At least at some point in the process. Yeah. But, huh. but 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 the it, the point is, I guess, is that it's not going to change the way their style, their art looks because they draw on a no. on a Cintiq versus paper. It's just that's how they draw. Yeah, yep. yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> one one guy's style is different from the other guy's style. Yeah, it's just tools. That's all. And there's some you know, like, and there's some art like we've seen Mike Norton and Jamie McKelvey and uh, you know other people like that go digital, and uh, yeah, no difference in the final product. Not, yeah. not not that there's no difference. I mean, like you can tell it's their style. It's like they didn't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's guys though, but who tell me that they they draw digital, and I and I had you know I had no idea. Right. And and uh, it's doesn't Otley do digital now on Invincible? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, probably. There's a picture of him with that image ad yep. showing him drawing. On oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, Dave Marquez does all digital. The guy who does Ultimate Spider-Man. Yep. Um, and, and the thing is, and you see different things like David, like I talk, I've talked about it in previous episodes. Yeah. David Lafuente used to, was all digital, and he when he was on New Mutants, he went back to pencils. Like they, you know, they, 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 artists like to be flexible with the tools. So, yeah. 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 All right. On to our next voicemail. Hey guys, Nathan from Washington here. I had a question about how you guys review something unbiasedly. When you have a favorite author or artist on something, will you fight to see the good in something, even if it's altogether not there? Do you take something on its own merits? Or do you try and revel in your own biased passion for something that someone else might not have and try and shine that light on it? Thanks. Keep up the great work. Bye. Ron, let's talk about the X-Men. <laughs> no, let's talk about the X-Men forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, there's everyone... Bias is a difficult word because it's got a bad connotation. Yeah. Everyone has preferences. Yeah. And, and that's going to seep into any kind of opinion on anything and look and look at the, look at this week's pick of the week that's that has a lot to do with my preference you you love war books so you're but, gonna love this book more than someone who doesn't love war right. books that's, but, because but, that's how opinion works based on preference but we also like I, I think that we all we've been at this a long time and we are cognizant of the fact that we're not really just talking about what we like there also has to be concrete sort of objective sort of things in the craft that's that that and when there's not we're way up front about you yeah. know yeah i mean i mean it's been forever we t- i mean you know our batman odyssey we t- you know there's things we like because they're they're bad right exactly yeah i mean i think i think part of it is that like i i know personally i've definitely been in that place where there's a creator who i really really like and they did something that just didn't jive with me and, and it came up to you on a convention floor. Yeah, exactly. But um, and you've got to be you. yeah, exactly verbatim. Um, <laughs> months later, and it was months later. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but and part of that is that is that is like what Josh said is that you got to we part of our job is to look at it, the the craft and look at it from a critical kind of eye and an unbiased kind of standpoint. But there are times where it's just like I love the insanity of Chris Claremont and, and Neil Adams, and that's I I, the, I know these books aren't good comic books in terms of quote unquote good. It ain't Watchmen. But that's, I enjoyed that's, them. There's a, you that's can, part of the whole thing. You can enjoy something that's bad 
just as you know what I mean like it doesn't something doesn't have to be quote unquote critically good for you to still enjoy it look at the majority of movies and TV shows that are out there you know so um yeah. but yeah so I mean that's how that's how we balance it but I mean it, it, it's our job to sort of present a mix of that you know like your personal feelings are going to have something to do with it you like they do with any art yep and then yep. then there's the other side of it too and I think we 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 try to look at all those things together yep. and and I think we're relatively upfront about it yeah you guys know us well enough, you know, from listening I mean, to that's us. That's every reviewer and anywhere yeah. doing any kind of reviewing. Yeah, it's Good, true. Bad ones. No, but I mean, every should... reviewer doing any kind of reviewing has their personal opinion comes into it because that's how that's how art works. Yeah, yeah. art, think, art is filtered through a lens of personal experience and opinion. Yeah, and I think it's important to is as long as you have to be kind of upfront about that. And there are right. people who say that, that that's not the way it should be, but I don't see any other way it would work. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know there are a lot of people. I mean, Bendis has been very vocal about this yeah. on Twitter about how reviewers, you know, you can't use, you know, I in your review or whatever. But it's like, no, it's like I come to each each thing I look at with my own set of eyes, and I have I and I to give the reader context. I like to say, okay, this is the world I'm in. This is the setup that I had. This is what I've got going into it, and therefore, this is what I took away from from this piece. And you know, because it's not objective, right? It's exactly, not, it isn't right. Exactly, it's not math. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So. All right, cool. So if you've got any questions you want to call us in and ask us, you can call us on our voicemail line at 1-888-FANBOYS. That's 1-888-326-2697. And if this podcast wasn't enough for you, we've got some other great stuff going on with some other podcasts. Um, and I, actually, we're hitting a, a nice little stride. It's kind of exciting. I Fanboy Don't Miss is a podcast that comes out every Monday. And we talk to a creator about a book that's coming out this – or sometimes we talk to multiple creators about a book that's coming out this Wednesday that you absolutely can't miss. For example, last week I talked to Darwin Cook about uh, Before Watchmen Minutemen number 1. And this week Paul is talking to both Brian Wood about The Massive number 1, his new series at Dark Horse, as well as Ken Garing on Planetoid number 1, a new series at Image that we have all been very big fans of since he debuted it on Graphically. So uh, go to uh, ifanboy.com on Monday to listen to that Don't Miss or go find it in iTunes iTunes, where you can subscribe to it and get it delivered to you every Monday. Very cool. And on Wednesdays, you can look forward to the Make Comics podcast. We took a little bye week last week, but we're back uh, this week talking about the craft of comics. We take a do a little short show. We'll pick a uh, a topic and uh, go go over you know something uh, in, in some detail. Try to shed some light on something you don't know. I do that with uh, usually with uh, Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, former editor for IDW and Marvel. He's been involved in a lot of books, uh, and he, he knows a lot of people, and he's, he's seen a lot of stuff. So great source of information. Uh, and then there's also Toxplode, which it Toxplode be sploding lately. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Um, last week, Paul spoke with his new best buddy, Greg Rucka. <laughs> it was a re- it's, oh a re- it's a really good interview. I'll give Paul credit. It's a really good interview. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's with Greg. It's not, yeah. you know. Just let him loose. Let, let him listen, go. give Paul his moment. Give him his moment. I know, I know. He, no, yeah, absolutely. Paul's good. What do you want? Josh doesn't like people intruding on his Toxplode space. You know what? I've decided. Well, somebody did write. I don't normally like Toxplodes, but I like the Rucka one. I was like, oh, that hurt. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, no. It's, very good. it's not I, I just there's it. no I in team, Josh. Uh, Ruck is talking about his new book, Alpha. Yeah. Uh, among which is, which uh, is very good. I'm which honestly, yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna download it. I think it's I'm, I'm gonna buy it. And it's re- terrace yeah. in a Disney World type type uh, type you know a resort or you know. He's so good. Yeah, it's really good. I decided I like his work enough that I don't actually want to know him. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to deal with it. <laughs> that's that's the way. What's I coming up? That. What's coming up? Uh, next week we're gonna be talking. We did a, a sort of craft making of making comics sort of thing with uh, Gabriel Hardman and Jeff Parker. Uh, and it was uh, it was freewheeling to say the least. <laughs> um, uh, Is there ranting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, 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 I want to say one thing. 
Nice. Uh, that that definitely happened. Um, no, that that's going to be coming up this Thursday. So look out for that. That's uh, I really enjoyed that show. That was a really good one. Cool. And the big movie release this weekend was Prometheus here in the United States, and it's already been out in Europe and other places. So uh, me and Paul Montgomery and Mike Romo, my fanboy, all got together to talk about Prometheus. It's on the podcast feed behind this one. So if you want to hear the show, go on iTunes, look behind this show, or go wherever you get the show and look behind it. Or go to iFanboy.com where you can just download it directly or stream it through the player. And you can listen to the three of us uh, have a very interesting conversation about a movie with very mixed reaction. So there's people who on the show who loved it. There are people on the show who didn't love it. There's people on the show who are uh, a bit on the, in the middle. So it's it's very interesting discussion. Yeah. But no one fights. No one fights. We're very, we're very sort of mellow about it. Cause it's, 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 a, it's no one's very angry about the movie. It's all very head scratching about why I didn't like it. I can't. I, I was supposed to see it at midnight on Thursday, but because of work and I was traveling, I didn't get to. So now I want to go see it and then listen to the conversation. So. Well, you can find that on ifanboy.com. You can also find Josh's Pick of the Week review, and you can find, if I guarantee you can find my Book of the Month review on Monday, and you can find uh, all the in-depth discussion about the week in comics, the news, the exciting things that are going on. You know, sometimes sometimes they'll announce zero issues, or Josh will throw down a gauntlet about artists, and people will come and discuss, and that's where you can find it, on ifanboy.com. You can also go to ifanboy.com slash about, find our staff page with our social network links, so you can be our friend on Twitter and Facebook and all those crazy places, including... Twitter.com slash iFanboy and Facebook.com slash iFanboy to follow all the action. Excellent. You can email us at contact at iFanboy.com uh, with your questions or comments or, or uh, something about a bank account in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I forget. I'm not sure. It's, it was a good, week for, a good week for voicemails, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, it was a huge week for voicemails. Yeah. We got a ton of them. Uh, you can get, Thank you very much, everybody. I really appreciate that. Uh, and uh, you can call in at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, and leave your uh, questions, uh, comments, all that stuff. If you like what we do, go to iTunes. You can write a review of this podcast as well as the iFanboy Don't Miss podcast as well as the Make Comics podcast which has its very own feed, which you go subscribe to and leave a review on that as well. Um, and as well, spread the word. Tell your friends. Tell the guys at your comic book shop about iFanboy if you haven't already. Um, so many of you get the word out for us, and we really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Um, cool. What a week, what a week, what a week. Yes. I think it's time to call this one quits. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I am Josh. I thank you all for listening. I try to